I want to just give you a moment of silence to thank God for your mom and uh, to remember her. I know for a number of us this is a sad time as we think about uh, perhaps moms that aren't here now, but uh, lift up a prayer and just thank God for the mother you had and uh, for mothers around you. Shall we pray? Lord God, we bow our hearts and heads before you in this hour to humble ourselves, to express our faith in you, to acknowledge that you are God, the Creator of men, women, mothers and fathers, boys and girls, all that is. And we especially on this day want to honor the incredible gift that you've given us of a mom. Uh, at the, she's given us life. And beyond that, mothers give us many other good gifts and treasures. And we honor them today. Lord, for each mom that's here, uh, it's a tremendous challenge to be a mother, to raise children. And we ask for your special encouragement to them this day, and we pray it all in Christ's name. And Lord, as we turn our hearts towards the theme of generosity, we also want to open our hearts and lives to you, and we continue to ask that as we come into this place of worship, we might be open to you and what you will do in our lives, and that actually as we leave each day, we are somewhat changed for the better, because you've met with us, we've we've listened to you, you've spoken to us. So we again uh, turn our attention towards you and what the Spirit will do in our lives and hearts in this hour. In Christ's name, amen. Again, I want to remind you, moms, it will not bother me at all if you just get up and drift on back there for your massage and uh, hope you do that, so uh, take advantage of that. And uh, wow, I think as we were listening to the comments about moms, maybe we all had something we'd like to stand up and say. And uh, I was thinking about my mom, and um, I guess three words came to mind. One is beauty. I think my appreciation of beauty has come through my mom. She has an incredible ability to uh, beautify wherever she is. And then secondly, if I have any manners at all, and I have a few in spite of what you think, uh, my manners certainly came from my mom and dad. And uh, then, of course, the gift of faith, just an example of faith in Jesus and encouragement in that way is another great gift. So thank you, Mom, and it's great that we could be together on this day. Um, It's been quite a week in the news, hasn't it? Where do we start? I was at a wedding uh, yesterday afternoon up uh, near Santa Barbara. We didn't quite get in the fire, but in Carpinteria, the smoke was around, and uh, that's been a news story throughout the week. Thank God it seems like it's improving there, and the fire is more than half contained. And then, of course, uh, what about Manny? And the Dodgers mess with Manny, and uh, the news of Manny no longer playing ball for a while. And then uh, I wanted to show you this picture. I don't know if you saw this news story, but this is the top cop in in, uh, California. You know who our top cop is, right? Jerry Brown, the the attorney general. And this is his car one morning as he went out from his house, and somebody had stolen two tires from his car. So don't feel special if you lost something this week. The uh, number one cop in uh, our state lost his uh, Camry tires, it looks like. And uh, I read a follow-up. He got some new tires. He's able to be on the road again, so don't worry about Jerry Brown. Uh, but anyhow, we've been moving toward generosity. And each Sunday for four weeks, we're talking about this theme, generosity. And we began by taking a step towards what we call transformation or change. And I want to review with, the mo- with you again that first step because it's essential. I think without transformation, we're not going to be the generous person God created us to be. So you re- recall that we said God is the first and most generous giver. 
And we want God's love in our lives to transform us so that we might be generous people, change from the inside out. And I said to you that first Sunday, and I hope you'll think about this because I think it's very true, that when we are generous or when we give, we are most like God because God is the first and most generous giver. So you want to do something like God or godly, then give. Because when we give generously, we are most like God. So the first Sunday, we moved towards transformation. Last Sunday, we talked about moving toward freedom. And we spent a lot of time on a dirty little word called greed. And we recognized how we are greedy, how we cling, and we used our hands as symbols of that, hanging on to, holding on to. And we talked about that issue of greed or grasping or hoarding. And we talked about, are we going to live our lives like this, or are we going to be open-handed and generous and free? And we also talked about how um, greed can enslave us, greed shrinks us, greed makes us less, not more. And so the more greedy I am, the less free I actually am. And the question that I often ask myself, and I want to ask you as well, is do you possess your possessions or do your possessions possess you? Do you possess your possessions or do your possessions possess you? Now, it can go either way, but it's an important thing to remember. And when our possessions begin to possess us, we've got a problem. We're no longer free. And so last Sunday, we talked about greed in our hearts and letting go and being generous as a way to to moving toward freedom. Now, today we have another word. We're going to move toward trust. We want to move toward trust. Now, I think last words are interesting, and I would have loved to have been in the limo with President Bush and President-elect Obama on Inauguration Day or somewhere, because don't you wonder, as President Bush ends eight terms in office, what he says to this incoming young man about to be the president, you know, what went on in that car? Wouldn't you have loved to have been a fly on the window there and just heard the conversation. Last words are very important and very fascinating, especially when you have time to prepare them. He knew what was coming so he could think about that moment. I would have loved to have heard that conversation. Now, in the Scripture, in Acts chapter 20, we have some last words. And the Apostle Paul is visiting a church. It's a church he started. He lived with these people many years. And he had gone back to visit them. And somehow he knew by the Spirit of God he wasn't going to see them anymore. It's the church at Ephesus. And as he was there, they were encouraging him not to leave. It's, it's true that when you leave, somebody's always there to say, don't go. And there's tears and sadness and a lot of emotion. And as Paul wraps up, his last words are focused on two things. One is money. And Paul says, you know, I didn't cheat you. I didn't rob you. I didn't steal. I was very clean and open and transparent in my relationship with you. And then he says, I want you to remember the weak. He's talking to the church now, and he said, as I'm gone, I want you to remember the weak. And then his last words to them are, he said, remember Jesus said, and you know the words, it's more blessed to give than receive. And he reminds them of this statement of Jesus. And those are Paul's last words. Now, do you believe that statement? Is it more blessed to give than to receive? That's what Jesus said, but let's wrestle with it for a moment. Let's think about receiving. Let's be honest this morning. Uh, As you sit there, you may not have thought of this question, but I think it's in your head. What will I get out of the message? What am I going to get out of church today? And I hope you do get something out of it. But we do have that bias to receive, don't we? To get, to 
to have. You know, if you go off to Hawaii and have kids and you come back, you've seen the T-shirt. My folks went to Hawaii and all I got was a stupid shirt. You know, you've seen that kind of... We expect them to come back with something, macadamia nuts or, or something. You know, what did you get me when you came back from your trip? We're sort of wired that way to receive. What do we get? Now, on, all le- on some levels, all of us want to receive. Uh, you know, we want to know, do I get good service at the restaurant? Am I going to get good grades? Uh, receiving is not wrong. I just want to lift up this morning that we're all receivers. And we've all received throughout our lives. As we talk about Mother's Day, my goodness, the things I have received from my mom. I I could never even begin to list them all. And I'm sure much of it, I'm not even aware of the good that's come to me through my mother. The same with you. And so we've all been on the receiving end. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, you're a very generous group. And oftentimes after church, someone will say, well, good message, pastor, or thank you. And sometimes I'll say to you, well, what was good about it? Or what did you get out of it? Here's my question. Let's suppose it is a good message. I hope they are, but let's uh, stretch with me. uh, Give me some grace here. Suppose it is a really good message. Who is the most blessed, you or me? And actually, it's me every single Sunday. Because I get to study with this theme of generosity. Even if I don't want to be generous, it's nagging in the back of my mind. Steve, you've got to talk about it on Sunday. You should try and practice it. And then throughout the week, I get to study this theme. Am I trusting God? Do I really have faith in God that God will take care of me or not? And then live generously. So even in my own life, as I speak today, I realize to be generous is... uh, I get more out of the message than you do. I'm blessed because I'm giving as opposed to receiving. So let me encourage you to think about Jesus' words. Do you really trust those words? It's more blessed to give than to receive. And not just do you believe them, but do you practice that? Because that leads us toward generosity. Now, in your worship folder today, there's a couple of notes that I'd like to address. And these come out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. Again, the greatest scripture in the Bible on giving. Let's look at them for a moment. We're talking about moving toward trust, trusting God that it really is more blessed to give than receive, trusting God's really going to provide us with abundance so that we can give. Now, in your notes, I've written down, generosity brings blessings. Generosity brings blessings. And we're quoting from a scripture here that I'll come to in just a moment. I talk about blessings in several ways. One way is that you are blessed. Others are blessed, rather. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Others are blessed. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. This is his second letter. In the first letter, he challenges them about an offering. Now, we're talking about mothers today. What is the mother of all churches? Where did the mother church begin? It was in Jerusalem, the first church. Baptists like to say the first Baptist church. I'm sure Methodists say the first Methodist church. The first church was in Jerusalem. And it was a flourishing, wonderful church growth story for a while. And then hard times came to Jerusalem, the economy sank, they went into recession, and it was a troublesome time. Now, many other churches had been started around Asia during that time. And so Paul says, as he goes around, he gets this idea, he says, I want to raise a large sum of money. I'd love to know what the amount was. He said, I want to raise a lot of money, and we're going to take it back to Jerusalem and give it to the church to bless the people there, to help out. That's why he's writing. So in 1 Corinthians 16, he says, get ready, I'm going to come by, and I want to collect the money. 
now he's writing again, and actually, apparently, they had set an amount, or the Corinthians had said, oh, we'll do thus and so. And he writes them and says, by the way, we've, we've made public what you're going to do. And I'm bringing sisters and brothers from other churches. When I get there, don't embarrass me by not being ready. You know, if you said you're going to give $100,000 and you've collected $100, you're going to be embarrassed, I'm going to be embarrassed, and you're not going to ch- achieve the goal. So this is the kind of behind what he says to them. It's a fascinating uh, chapter, but the point is, when you give and when you are generous, people are blessed, others are blessed. Now, um, let's look at this scripture um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13 and verse 14. I'll read it to you. Paul says this, I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you. Now, the relief would be for the Jerusalem church. But it is a question of fair balance between our present abundance and their need so that their abundance may be for your need in order that there may be fair balance or equality, some translations put. Now, let's suppose for a moment that you are eating a meal and you're sitting at that table and your your plate, which is a large plate, is piled just as high as it can be with food. And let's suppose a woman is sitting opposite from the table and she has no food on her plate. I know that you would instantly say, here, have half my food. I don't even need all this anyhow. And you would share with her, right? Because you wouldn't dare sit there and eat a feast while somebody else couldn't eat at all in your presence. You would share. You would be generous. And that's what Paul is saying here. While you have abundance, give out of your abundance to those who don't. Now, I want to show you a picture of a house. As you know, my wife, Joyce, went into real estate. Any of you seen this house? Do you know about this house? It went on the real estate market a few weeks ago. And since Joyce is in real estate, I said, you can show houses, right? And she said, yes. And I said, well, show me this house. I want to go visit. This house is the most expensive house in the United States. It came on the market for $150,000, a million dollars, $150 million. Now, as I've read about this house, the realtors say there's no way to price it because there's nothing this, you know, you just can't compare this to anything. This is Candy Spelling's house. One woman lives here. And now, how many of you have been around our church? Some of you are guests. You've only been in this room. It's a big room. But how many of you have been around this church building? It's pretty big, right? Our building is about 65,000 square feet, much smaller than this house. It's in the 80,000 square foot range. So this house is about 25% bigger than First Baptist, and this is one person's house on the market. Now, I don't want to make too much fun of Candy Spelling. She can afford the house, apparently. But, um, you know, how much house does one person need? And you don't need to answer that question, and we don't need to bag on candy anymore, but it just fascinates me that somebody would build this house. I read a little bit about it. The kitchen will feed between two and 800 people. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine the electric bill on this house? Anyhow, I'll move on from that to ask a more personal question. How many pairs of shoes do you have? Oh, don't go there. How many feet do you have? Two. How many shoes do you really need? How many clothes do you really need in your closet? In fact, how many clothes are in that closet that you haven't worn in a year and you couldn't wear if you wanted to? Right? I won't say any more. You get my drift. But the question is, Paul says, when you have abundance, share with those who don't have abundance. He says, I'm not trying to rob the rich 
to the poor. I'm just trying to make a fair balance here. I'm looking towards justice, righteousness, fairness. And so he talks about generosity is a way to bless other people. And that's the first thing. Others are blessed with generosity. Now, um, remember, when you look at what God has trusted you with and consider how to use it to help others, you bless others. We're going to do these bags. And uh, Joyce is going to be gone this week, so I'm not going to schlep this off to her. I'm going to go shopping, and I'm looking forward to it. And I don't know whether you have enough money for one jar of peanut butter or whether you have enough money to fill up this bag, that's not really the concern. Go out and buy something, put it in the bag, and bring it back next week. Share. I was talking to Pat O'Reilly, the executive director of ECPAC. We help support them. In the last, uh, since January of 08, she said our demand at the food pantry has gone up 67%. Wow. I said, Pat, how are you able to meet the need? And she said, well, it's kind of a miracle. You know, the food keeps showing up, and businesses and others are chipping in, and so people are helping out so that we have enough food. Mostly the people who come in there, they're not so much homeless. They're single moms who don't have enough food to feed their family throughout the month. So they go there, and you can help out. As you're generous with a little extra food, you bless someone else. It's a wonderful thing. Your generosity blesses others. Now, others are blessed when we're generous, but you know what? Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive, and who gets the greater blessing? I think we do as we give. So the next fill-in-the-blank is you are blessed and helped when you bless others. Now, I want to read this scripture fairly slowly, and I've already underlined the point that I want to emphasize, but you might circle it or get a highlighter and highlight it because I hope you soak this up. If you don't hear anything else today, I hope this point is one that you get. You are blessed and helped when you're generous. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, 8, God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. Now, again, I highlighted some words. God is able to provide every blessing, abundance, and on it goes. Um, Let's watch this video. We'll uh, take a break. Paul, here's Mr. Wilson, the man that called you about borrowing money. Well, howdy there, Mr. Wilson. I'm pleased to meet you. Sit down. All right, the trivia question is, who is the uh, star character here in the... What? Jed Clampett. Yeah, see, they're... You, you know you're old if you say that, so nobody's going to speak up here. Uh, anyhow, now here's my question. Is Jed Clampett, in his personality, is he a yes kind of person or a no kind of person? Or to put it in another way, is Jed Clampett a person of scarcity or is he a person of abundance? Now, you just saw a little clip, but he's a yes kind of guy. How much do you need? And, you know, he gives him the most amount that the man asked for. He's probably wishing he'd asked for 10000 instead of five. He's a yes person. He's a person of abundance. Now, I'd like to ask you the question, are you a person of scarcity or a person of abundance? Uh, this book is kind of old. It's 20 years old, in fact, but it was a huge bestseller back in the day, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. And he wrote this book to try and help people live a more balanced, more productive lifestyle. And he talks about um, the scarcity and the abundance mentality. Uh, he says the following, most people are deeply scripted in what I call the scarcity mentality. 
They see life as having only so much as though there were only one pie out there, and if someone were to get a bigger piece of that pie, it would mean less for everybody else. The scarcity mentality is the zero-sum paradigm of life. And he goes on to talk about that, how people of scarcity uh, don't rejoice when others succeed. People of scarcity are hanging on and hoarding. They're, they're like this, not like this. Now, he also describes an abundance mentality. Take uh, The abundance mentality takes the personal joy, satisfaction, and fulfillment. Whoops, I'm reading the wrong paragraph. Here we go. The abundance mentality, on the other hand, flows out of a deep inner sense of personal worth and security. It is the paradigm that there is plenty out there and enough to spare for everybody. It results in sharing of prestige, of recognition, of profits, of decision-making. It opens possibilities, options, alternatives, and creativity. Now, let's pretend you're an artist for a moment to get at this idea of scarcity or abundance. Let's pretend you're an artist and you're going to paint. I know it's a stretch for most of us, but as you start to paint, how many paintings do you have in you? In other words, is it that you're only going to paint one painting and that's all you can do? Or as you put the brush to the canvas, is, are the options limitless, un, unfathomable? It's really the later, isn't it? You can paint as much as you want. If you're a writer and you begin to write on that blank page, you can write whatever you want there. You can write one page, two pages, a hundred pages, a hundred thousand pages. It's up to you. It's not a, a matter of scarcity when it comes to creativity. So again, I want to ask you, do you tend to look at the world from a no's personality, a scarcity personality or perspective, or from a yes and abundance perspective? Now, some of you are getting nervous here. But that's okay. I want to convince you, and if anything can happen good today, I hope it is that you walk out of here as a person that's shifting from scarcity to abundance. Because I believe God is a God of abundance, not a God of scarcity. And as we think about generosity, our generosity is going to be directly impacted about whether we're a no person or a yes person, a scarcity person or an abundance person. Let me give you some scriptures. Uh... And I'm going to ask you a question. Is this about scarcity or about abundance? Now, we'll start in the Old Testament in the Psalms. This scripture is repeated several times in the Bible, so this is not random, isolated case. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and the Lord will give you the desires of your heart. Scarcity or abundance? I think it's abundance. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God, and God will direct your path. Scarcity or abundance? It's abundance. It's a promise that God's going to guide you. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote, and you know the Scripture very well, I can do one thing through Christ who strengthens me, because Christ's pretty weak, and he's busy, and there's a lot of folk out there, so maybe Christ will help me do something. No. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, scarcity or abundance. Now, I'm not making this stuff up, folks. I'm just reading the Bible. You're looking at me like, you know, you're not going to buy into this. This is God's Word. You decide scarcity or abundance. Um, Paul wrote, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free, scarcity or abundance. Paul also wrote uh, that amazing passage at the end of 
Ephesians, his prayer, and he said, now in Corinthians, he also uses this phrase, but I'm in a different chapter now, Ephesians 3. Paul said, God is able uh, to do far more than you can ask or imagine. Did he not say that? Scarcity or abundance. God is able. Now that's Paul's writing. Let's go and wrap up here with somebody that I think is more important than Paul, Jesus. Jesus said, for I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, if I was holding a mustard seed in my hand here, you probably couldn't see it from where you are. Uh, He said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Scarcity or abundance. Jesus also said, what is impossible with people is possible with God. Scarcity or abundance. Jesus also said, in his greatest sermon he ever preached, Ask, and it will be given. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who searches, finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Scarcity or abundance? What do you think? One more. The Bible also says, Jesus speaking, Seek first God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What things is Jesus talking about? Well, he had just talked about food and clothing. So all these things you need to live your life will be added unto you if you'll seek and knock and put God first. Scarcity or abundance. Do you see what I mean? When you give to others, others are blessed. And that's huge. But you are also blessed. And God says, I'm going to take care of you. Now, some of you are struggling. You're looking for jobs. Maybe there's a tight financial situation. Maybe you don't know where you're going to live. And that's a huge struggle. But I encourage you this morning to look to the God of abundance who does want to bless us even in tough times. We're not talking about magic. We're talking about a way to live your life of faith in God, trusting God and putting God first. Generosity brings blessings. Now, one other thing as we move towards trust I want to mention. Generous givers generate joy. I don't know about you, but I like joy. I like to have fun. Who doesn't? Fun is more, fun is better than, what's the other word we'd say? Fun is better than not fun, I guess. Uh, generous givers generate joy. Moms, anybody need a massage here? You, have you had one? I don't want you to go back. There's, we don't want a massage therapist standing around. You know, we're, uh, we want them working. So if you need a second one, go on back again. Deneva, did you get your massage? You want another one? Because I can keep preaching a long time here. These poor ladies will be worn out. Anyhow, I hope you'll get rid of it. Let's look at generous givers generate joy. Where is the joy? Well, the joy is in you. As you give, you will be joyful. You will be, the Bible says, you will be enriched in every way in your great generosity. The Scripture says, as you give, you will be enriched in every way according to your generosity. There's also joy in others. Paul puts it this way. This service that you perform is only supplying the needs of God's people... But there is also an overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. I want to come back to that one. But you get the idea that as you're generous, it creates this enthusiasm and thanks, and that person becomes more open to God, more generous, and that creates enthusiasm and thanks. Do you ever see the movie Pay It Forward? Go home and rent it. And it picks up on this idea of generosity and the good things that can accumulate kind of exponentially out of generosity. So I encourage you. Uh, others are blessed and create joy. And then lastly, there's glory to God in verse 13. Through the testing 
of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with others. Paul's idea is that as we have abundance, we share. It may come into our life when we're in times of need and people have to share with us. Now, we are in a tough economy and a tough time. And it's especially, it's acutely important for those of us who are doing well, and some people are doing very well right now, to be very generous, to help out those who need to turn to the church and elsewhere for help. Now, let me say this. There may be some of you sitting here and you say, you know, I've always been a giver, Steve. I give a lot and I give generously. And maybe now you can't give. And you have to say it's time to receive. Because life is like that. And I want to encourage you to be willing and open to be a receiver if that's the season of your life as well. Um, So, generosity creates joy. Generosity creates blessing. I encourage you to trust the Lord. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And this should be a great time for the church to stand up and take notice and be noted by her generosity to all. A number of years ago when I was pastoring in Granada Hills, I got a phone call from a man who had been a member of our church, had retired and moved to Fraser Park. He was still connected, but uh, didn't worship with us. And he said, Steve, could you help me out? And I said, well, I'll try. And so he explained to me that he had a friend living in Granada Hills whose wife had grown ill. This man had lost his job. And he said, they're just in tremendous struggle, and I want to help them. But I know that if I go to my friend's house and say, you know, here's some money to help you, he won't take it. He just would be embarrassed, and it would be uncomfortable for him, and he'd refuse. So, Steve, would you take my money and just go to him and say, I understand you're in need, and the church wants to help. So, you know, what a great job. I said, sure. So numerous times over, I don't remember the time period, maybe 18 months, two years, something like that, a good span of time, he would call up and get the money to me, and I'd get the cash, and I'd go to this man's house, and I'd never met the man. He was not in our church. And I introduced myself the first time, and I said, you know, uh, it's, I'm aware of the situation with your wife, and she's homebound, and you're caring for her, and your work is spotty, and uh, we just want to bless you and help you. No, I couldn't. I said, yeah, I'm going to leave the money here on the table, and it's for you. And uh, I want you to take it. So I did that. Well, uh, time went by, and things improved. His wife passed away, and then he went back to work, and things improved. And I don't know, several years went by, and I got a knock on the door. This man never came to church, but I got a knock on the door. Here he comes to the office. And he said, you know, Steve, I remember that generosity uh, that was came through the church to me. And he said, I, I want to help you. And I know you have a school here and have some kids. And then he he had put together this project and he wanted to use his funds to help bless kids in this project. So you see where I'm going with this? You know, this man was blessed in his time of need. A friend reached out and helped him, was generous. When he got back on his feet and things were better, then he said, I'm going to extend it on and I'm going to be generous to someone else. And Paul, and I'll wrap up with this, Paul explains, he says, you know, when you give this gift... Like, here's what's going to happen. We'll just put it in terms of this. You fill this bag up, and I'm going to go shopping, and I'm going to look at the list and buy the appropriate stuff and put it in this bag and bring it back here. That's my offering. Now, we're going to take it up to ECPAC the week after next, and we're going to give it to Pat and the workers up there, and that's the end of it. You know, we, we won't see who comes in and gets, but they'll divide this up, and there will be people coming by. Let's suppose it's a single mom, and she comes by. And they send her away with these bags of groceries. First of all, she's going to say to the volunteers there, thank you, thank you. And sometimes there's tears. The volunteers say, well, I'm just, you know, passing it on. And then as that person walks away, perhaps that mom, she lifts up a prayer and says, thank you, God. I don't know who did this, but thank you. You you see the cycle that we create when we're generous. There's no telling the end of where that generous spirit will go. And so I want to encourage you again to trust God 
to realize the freedom that comes from generosity, to let God change you from the inside out to be the most generous person you can possibly be in your mind, in your heart, in your attitude, with your money, with your gifts, uh, to move toward generosity. So in the end, it says about your generosity. Do you trust God? Because I think that's where it begins and how much. God is able to provide you with all that you need, with every blessing, so that you can bless others. I've written a little prayer. And if you want to move a step forward in trust and generosity, I encourage you to stand up and read this prayer with me, if you would. And uh, we'll read it slowly. Um, it may not be easy for you to read, so we'll go slowly through this prayer. And uh, it's a prayer of opening ourselves to the Lord and becoming more generous. Let's read together. Lord Jesus, you said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And yet we grasp and cling and fear when the needs of the poor we hear. More blessed to give than receive? Lord Jesus, you looked out on the crowds. In your heart was pure compassion. So you gave your all, your best, your life for us, for me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Yes, Lord, I turn toward you, toward the transformation and freedom, toward trust and life, toward generosity. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. You may be seated.